Oh, I've gone soft again. We need an audio fluffer. <laughs> audio fluffer, please. We're listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts Jim Jones, 1-800 Peter Street, and introducing Aaron Hubbard. Wallow a bag of cement and get hard. Welcome to Blue Yonder. A brief show note before we start on to the meat. Uh, sad news: Jim and I had to have an intervention with Peter. Yeah. Uh, we've committed him involuntarily to the Leroy Jenkins Center for Wow Addiction. It's really a shame. It is, is. but you know, it had to, I mean, the stench, there was public health officials involved. There there were threats of uh, removing him from civilization. Yeah, so it was, you know, it's for the best, and it's always painful to do something like that, and He's going to have a week to get himself clean and sober and, uh, you know, uh, break the wow addiction, and uh, we'll welcome him back next week. Yep, yep. So, uh, we just saw Iron Man 2. Your mom saw Iron Man 2. <laughs> this was uh, two times Iron Man 2 for me. It was your uh, inaugural viewing. Yeah. You popped your Iron Man 2 cherry. Sure, yeah. So how was it for you? Oh, it was glorious. Glorious, glorious. Actually, no. It was it was alright. Better or worse than Iron Man 1? Uh, worse than Iron Man 1. Like, uh, Iron Man, uh, on a scale of Iron Man movies, is a 10. Uh, where is Iron Man 2? Uh, 8. Wow! Not not a huge drop-off quality. I'd say no, 5. Really? Yeah, I'd half say 5. Half as good? Half as good. That's surprising. I think you're going to have to, at some point, justify this. Alright. I will say that... I would have gone down like three and a half. The second viewing, I enjoyed it quite a bit more. Maybe it's a maybe it's a six because I really did not like it. I really hated lots of big swaths of it. Um, it's interesting. The first time I saw it, and I saw a late show, I just remember thinking that the movie had a lot of pacing problems. Mm-hmm. It opened slow. It had a little bit of Iron Man action when he... And we're going to have to talk about spoilers, people. We have so if, if you haven't seen Iron Man yet, you need to shut the fucking thing down right now. Let's talk about the opening a little bit, because it's interesting that you mentioned the pacing problems, because we just got done watching Iron Man 1 right before we went to see 2. Right. And Which, I did notice interesting pacing things with Iron Man 1 that I enjoyed that were absent in 2. Exactly. In fact, the Iron Man in, is like you're 40 minutes into it before you get to Iron Man... Mm-hmm. But it's no less interesting. That's right. And actually, what they do with it is interesting because they don't open it where you would logically open it. Like, they show you, right off the bat, the most interesting scene. They get into the action yep. um, to hook you. Very much and in the Yeah, and then they go back and they show you what happened 36 hours before that, which is slightly interesting. less interesting. But it is, it's it's set, not going to hook uh, you in the same way. No, but it did kind of really set the character of Tony Stark. I oh, mean, totally. you knew yeah. through that, like, you know, the Air Force presentation of the Apogee Award, I think. Yeah, um, And, you know, his casino experience and then his interview with the Vanity Fair mm-hmm. and the spread that they did. Uh, you know, and, and the plane ride that they went to Afghanistan and his sales pitch, you really got this, uh, a, an accurate portrayal. You knew everything you knew, what needed to know about Tony Stark to make the rest of the movie work in about 10 minutes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they set him up as, you know, the playboy millionaire who doesn't really care about his business and he's just out to have some fun. 
So you contrast that to this open, where it's basically a voiceover of the last five minutes of the previous uh, Iron Man press conference, where he says, I am Iron Man. It overcuts that with this broken-down Russian that's dying of uh, vodka poisoning, (laughs) and his son... Uh, Ivan is, you know, kind of swears vengeance upon Tony Stark because his, mm-hmm. his father drops the fact that the Stark family fucked him over, stole his arc reactor technology, and then he bequeaths this, this vendetta and this knowledge to his son. You then see over the credit sequence Ivan building crude arc reactor and some sort of suit that you don't really know what it is. So, so it, it, again, it's much, much slower than a Humvee exploding. And him being oh, taken yeah. into captivity and, and and less interesting as well. And then when you finally get to see Iron Man, it just that kind of left me cold. Uh, refresh my memory on that. So, so you see uh, like a C-130 airship flying over and it opens up his rear bay door and Iron Man oh, jumps yeah, out he jumps it. out and goes and down like, to the... why the fuck is Iron Man in an airplane in the first place? <laughs> Airplanes are actually slower than when, Iron Man. When he so. then it proceeds to light up his jets and fall through an array of fireworks... And, and he gets hit by one. He gets he? hit by one, which well, that, that, that was weird. Fireworks. And like, it like knocked that? him off course momentarily. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, what? And then he just hurdles into the midst of this adoring for, it'd be like, kind of like, um, he's having a Stark Expo in much the same way that the Penny Arcade guys have an Expo. Yeah. And he, and they never really explain why he's kicking off this year-long celebration of technology and whatever. In, in Flushing, New York, and he... Well, I mean, doesn't he explain it as promotion of peace, like he wants to get the scientific community together? And I guess, but I almost kind of like they're... they're I, I think that they were kind of hinted at maybe, or that, that there were supposedly maybe stronger hints that he was trying to do this to solve his arc reactor dilemma that you want to find out about momentarily. But he kind of arrives in the middle of his Iron Man, he takes off the Iron Man suit, and he's got the tuxedo on underneath. At this point, actually, I've got to say, I was totally on board with Tony Stark again. Because the first movie sets him up, like I said, Playboy Millionaire, and absolutely perfectly played by Robert Downey Jr., and I think he comes back and does the same performance and a great job in this one. Yeah, he did well. do good. Although I will say that this part in particular kind of left me cold because he seemed to, I, obviously he gets off on being Iron Man in yeah. not just the like altruistic <laughs> ways, obvious. but on the fact that like it's just a rush. Mm-hmm. But he just, uh, you know, he kind of came across as an asshole, mm-hmm. like self indulgent. But then he came right back during the Senate hearing. Uh, I actually oh, thought yeah, that was totally. played very well and. Gary Shandling is kind of scary looking. Uh, and he looks like a something you'd see in Left 4 Dead 2. He's a little bloated. He's one of the special zombies, yeah. Yeah, he's a special class zombie. Um, the, sham, the Shandler. The Shandler. <laughs> that sequence where he basically, you know, the Senate Armed Forces Committee demands them, him hand over Iron Man technology, and he basically tells them to go fuck themselves. Which he should, in my opinion. I, I mean, they have no right to it. For, for, for sure. But that sets up the tension that now the military is going to try to gank his hardware, and and Rhodey says as much in you know first couple scenes that look you need to work with me. You kind of hear him talking on himself and his superiors, and he's got like a forty eight hour deadline and a twenty four hour deadline to get mm-hmm. you know Iron Man kind of under control. Uh, but you find out immediately after he goes backstage and does a blood test on himself, and it says palladium uh, toxicity levels twenty four percent. So now you know. Yeah, he's you know, got some problems. And, and they, they find out, they, just the scene, next scene later, that this arc reactor is poisoning his blood with palladium, and he's going, burning through it at a remarkable rate. 
And palladium, I guess, is one of the world's rarest elements. Which this is interesting, because I don't know a whole lot about the Iron Man series, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, in the comic books, this takes place over a very long period of time, right? Well, I'm not the biggest Iron Man fan. They kind of combined elements of the Iron Wars and uh, Demon in the Bottle plotline, where he kind of de- de- uh, descends into alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't. I'm not aware of any plot line, and I correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. But I'm not aware of any plot line where he actually is in mortal danger of the 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 chess piece actually killing him. Oh, really? I thought yeah. that was a pretty big deal. No. So, okay. but yeah, he's so he's on a quest to perfect the arc reactor technology or find a new element to quit poisoning him that's more abundant. You know, whatever. That leads immediately into a scene where he basically gives Pepper Pot a promotion to CEO of the company, which also, I mean, obviously Pepper Pot's a competent woman, but... Yeah, I I have a problem with it, too, because in the first movie, she comes off as very ditzy and not really in touch with what he's doing. And she doesn't she doesn't understand a lot beyond her job, which is to take care of Tony. Yeah, I mean she's an awesome personal assistant, but yeah, like you but know, not I'm very, CEO material in the first movie. This movie made me agree with Bill O'Reilly, which I hate. Oh, oh, God. When, when he basically is questioning oh. her credentials on on the on the TV, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm kind of feeling you. I, it, when and Bill O'Reilly is, came on the TV, I was kind of sad that he would be enshrined in a movie like that. Yeah. I was like, God damn it, really? Right, We're right. We're going to put him in there forever? Right. <laughs> the um, other thing is I didn't like about when Pepper Potts became CEO, she got a personality upgrade or downgrade. <laughs> yeah. She became this extremely kind of bitchy, pissy, mm-hmm. insecure, and, and, and angry person towards Tony for no... I mean, it doesn't seem like very good reasons. I mean... Yeah, which their relationship throughout the entire thing was supposed to be one of advanced boyfriend-girlfriend. Is that correct? Yeah, it seemed like it. And then they... Then That's the like, vibe I got. Yeah, but he was, like, openly hitting on Scarlett Johansson's character, which was introduced uh-huh. as uh, Natalie uh, Rushman. Which um, I have a problem with, by the way. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get into that. But, yeah, I mean, so he's openly hitting on her, and it's like, okay, well, maybe they're in an open relationship. Fine, whatever. <laughs> but then, like, they kind of... Vac- it's like the movie itself is not sure. Are these people boyfriend-girlfriend? Yeah. Are they old married couple? Are they infatuated? Are is they engaged? This, like, it- Is this a professional? Professional. I mean, what's what's the deal? You couldn't really get the, the that emotional relationship, and you know, this kind of like almost love triangle between the new assistant and yeah, they didn't play up that love triangle much. I mean, it was just a few brief comments by him, and then some some light flirting at parties and stuff. But then they foreshadow the next scene where they show Ivan buying some passports, a ticket to to Monaco GP. And then they show Monaco, which I have to say that I want to go and vacation in Monaco before I die because they make the city look fucking amazing. Yeah, that shot coming over the hill. Oh my god, I, I I've got to go and wear and, and drive around the Maserati and wear a nice tuxedo in that city right before I beach. die. So they show up in Monaco and they introduce uh, the Hammer character, who the first time I saw really grated on my nerves. Mm-hmm. The second time I actually liked. Uh, Sam Rock is it Rockwell? I think so. Yeah, his I like his performance. It's kind of like I saw him described. I think by Robert Jer Ebert as the Michael Dell to Steve, the Tony Stark's Steve Jobs. He wants to be Tony. He wants Tony's cool. He wants oh, Tony's totally. women. He wants Tony's cars. And he's almost Tony, but, mm-hmm. he, but but the gap is big enough, and he tries so hard to fill it that it actually makes him come off worse. Yeah. 
we kind of get an introduction to him. We met him in the Armed Forces meeting, but we kind of fully see that, you know, Tony hates him and they're in intense competition. And here, Tony decides to, here's my first giant problem with the movie. Tony decides he's going to jump in at the last minute. They make it absolutely clear this is a last minute decision that he's going to drive his car into Monaco GP. Uh. Simultaneously, they introduce Ivan as Whiplash. And Whiplash's plan seemed to be to stroll on the course and kill Tony Stark. How the fuck did he know Tony was going to be racing when literally five minutes before the, the race starts? I mean, it's almost, it's like the yeah. movie, the movie lost track. Was this a last minute decision? <laughs> it's almost like, you know, in That's editing, John Favreau decided, uh, you know what would be really cool if we really highlight Tony's recklessness and make this like a spur of the moment decision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they forgot the fact that Ivan was flying from Russia. <laughs> to pose as yeah. a person that would have access to the track in order to fuck up Tony Stark. What they should have done is just have him come into the restaurant where they are, see him leave, and follow him. Yeah. And then end up near the track, and he just breaks through onto the track. Right, right. Like, that would have made much more sense. Or, I think it would make perfect sense if Tony Stark just um, had pre like They made it clear that he was going sure. to drive in the car, but uh-huh. he just didn't tell Pepper. Yeah, that would have yeah. been that would have been worked too, but I, I don't know. It just seems like actually that would have been great because she was always worried about him killing himself anyway. So. Right, and then she could have been mad that he didn't tell her and all that stuff. But it's like to me, there again, there's this tonal dissonance that the movie had that distracted me so badly that I didn't appreciate how cool it was to see Whiplash just cut them fucking cars in two. <laughs> I mean, it was that, really that cool, really yeah. good special effects. Uh-huh. So then he basically cuts Tony's car in half confronts Tony, Pepper and uh, Happy Hogan, his driver, bodyguard, personal assistant, see this, drive out an Iron Man suit in briefcase form, <laughs> a tiny little briefcase to Tony. Hogan actually runs into Ivan with his car, his Bentley, and slams him up against the race course wall several times. So he backs up, he runs over him yeah, again and, and again. And at the same time, Tony's yeah. trying to get the briefcase, and Ivan is slicing the car, and they're trying to play it for laughs, but it's also a tense situation. Again, there's some, some total problems here. Uh-huh. But they throw the briefcase to Tony. Tony puts his fists into it, and basically the Iron Man suit crawls up on him. Yeah. Which seemed kind of ridiculous to me. Like, this is just absurd that they can fit an Iron Man suit in there. I will say it looked yeah. like that that wasn't the same suit that he wears. It yeah, he, like well, he definitely had, screen... like, four suits on the walls, and yeah. the last one on that wall, I think, was the one the, that he wore in number one. Uh, no, and oh, the briefcase okay. suit was in the briefcase. But, yeah, I mean, it, it looked like it was maybe a different color, and it was like mm-hmm. a lighter-duty suit. It wasn't as big and bulky, and but but basically the whips didn't, you know, couldn't penetrate the Iron Man armor, and he, you know, basically threw Iron Man around for a couple times, and then Iron Man basically caught his whip in his hand <laughs> and started wrapping it around his body. Rolling and himself in towards... The fatal flaw, of course, is this guy's just got an arc reactor on his chest and he's whips for hands, and that's yeah. it. So once Iron Man got within melee range, he ripped off his chest piece and he that actually was it. he actually punched him. Yes. You know? Whereas if you go back to the first movie when he punches people, they right. fucking fly. Oh yeah, you, you crumple because you, you don't would. take a punch like that. No, I not mean, even Mickey Rourke. Sorry. Yeah, I mean like if uh, if you took an aluminum baseball bat and swung some <laughs> swung it at somebody with four strike the chest, you'd incapacitate them. But whatever, you know, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe right. he pulled his punch. 
<laughs> sure. He want to like drive his fist through the man's chest. <laughs> the other thing I like about this guy is like, okay, it's kind of stupid that you choose a melee weapon to fight Iron Man. Yes. Iron Man is the very definition of standoff range. Yeah. He has a variety of ranged weapons. He has these energy beams. He can fucking fly. And you're coming after him on a ground-based suit with 12-foot energy whips. Yeah, the guy was... He's intelligent. He's book smart. He's not right. street smart. Right, right. So <laughs> I, I think I, I think once Iron Man showed up, it, it was pretty much over. But this kind of dovetails into the problem I have at the very end, which is what really knocks the movie down for me. This guy gets sent to jail. Hammer breaks him out of prison and fakes his death and hires him to work for him to perfect his own suit that he's been working on to embarrass Tony Stark and they get this big Pentagon contract. Yep. And that is Tony Stark trying to figure out how to build a better arc reactor and him working in the background on these suit prototypes. Yeah, I mean, Tony Stark has, like, the the plot line where he he's dying and he knows he's dying and he's just going to go out with a bang, I guess, um, at his birthday party. Which is happening while they're breaking him out of prison. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's happening parallel. And that's actually, oh, I actually enjoyed that scene of Tony Stark gets drunk, plastered I, in the Iron Man suit. I, I enjoy, I, yeah, that was kind of funny to see. I enjoyed that scene while at the same time, like, feeling really bad about that scene. And that's, like, why I enjoyed it. I felt, like, really bad for Tony while I was, was watching it. Because he was making himself an ass. Because he was making a huge ass of himself. And you know he's dying, and you know this is, like, not something he would normally do, but under the circumstances, he's doing it. And that's what made the scene so good, because it, it really showed off how he felt and, and what was going on in his head. Which led up to one of the awesome scenes in the movie, where Brody, his, his Air Force buddy, comes to the party. Interesting. I, I just want to stop you one second. At the beginning, they, when they introduce uh, Rhodey... Uh-huh. Um, and he's not played by the same actor. He's right. played now by Don Cheadle. Right. I love the line when he walks in and he's like, it's me, I'm here, deal with it, let's move on. Yeah, right. That was totally a, a, a say, chill out to the fans. Yeah, right. Like, cause I know there was a huge internet thing like, oh my god, they're not bringing back the same guy. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really cool. But yeah, so he sees that Iron, that Tony's totally freaking out. His bosses have basically said, you've got to get Iron Man. Because they've established that Iron Man has basically made world peace. Yeah. That he's solved every hot spot. He's the nuclear deterrent. But him breaking down and having these personal crises has is, is gotten everybody freaked out because government's control freaks. They want the technology themselves. They're using the excuse to pry it away. Him being very irresponsible. I mean, he almost... Killed several party goers, you know, in the course of him partying as Iron Man. But you see yeah. Rhodey go down to his basement and lock eyes on the silver suit. And next thing you know, he comes up and he basically tells everybody at the party, I'm not going to say this once, leave. And then, you know, everybody he, heads out the door. Tony sees this and is like, you think you can hang with me? Then they basically fight. It actually, fair. I'm, I thought it was pretty cool because at first you can tell Tony is definitely the master of the armor. He, oh I mean, yeah. He blows his friend through the wall, and then he uses like he does this really cool kind of kung fu slide where he slows himself down <laughs> as his thrusters, and then he like slams Brody through the ground. Yeah, because because Ro- then- well, first Brody like throws a dumbbell at him. Yeah. And, like, he's like, oh, that's what you're going to do? So he picks up this giant, like, what you would use for a military press, a uh, couple hundred pounds, and just, like, swings at him like a hammer. And then, as Jim says, 
throws him down into the basement. Yeah, but then, like, Brody, I guess, whatever, he hits him back up through, and when he's coming up through the hole, you can tell he's kind of wobbling right. on, the, on the flight. Right. He's not real steady. And I think that so they're saying that he's getting more comfortable. Plus, it looked like, because Brody was actually using some MMA moves on him, like, you can tell <laughs> Brody is a warrior. Uh-huh. Where Tony really is, I mean, he's obviously got more experience using an Iron Man suit, but he's not especially... You know, I mean, he's he's not. Yeah, he's he's, he's taken some boxing classes with his friend. Um, right. He's done some MMA, I guess, because he's been like for three weeks or so. Because he was telling him when he was in the that's ring, true, like he true. did some MMA's, like elbowed him in the face. Right, it's dirty boxing. About that. Yeah. <laughs> so they're fighting, and uh, as slowly you see between Tony being incapacitated because of his blood poisoning at that what point was like eighty nine percent. Oh yeah. His yeah. blood alcohol level was. Catching up, um, that basically through that, that Rhodey was able to get the upper hand, and they did this thing that again I'm not crazy about, where they did the whole kind of like Voldemort, Voldemort uh, and Harry Potter shooting their wands at each other simultaneously, building up a huge energy thing in the middle and then exploding. Uh, sure, like this is just a re- this is. I understand that they made clear that these things on his hands are just first and foremost repulsors. Yeah. They help him, they're, you know, they're thrusters, and he can use them as a weapon. How the hell that would make some kind of chain reaction <laughs> is not immediately clear. Sure, yeah. And it seems like if that's the case, he can make a super weapon just by putting his hands together at any time <laughs> and making this giant fireball nuclear explosion I'm, happen. I'm, ho- I, I'm thinking maybe he would be too close to the blast and he wouldn't be able to survive it. I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know. But that incapacitates and you see Rhodes take off, he flies... To an Air Force base, and they start taking the suit apart. Knocks Tony on his ass, too. Knocks Tony on his ass, and they take uh, the suit back, and they're going to retrofit it with new weapons and armors provided by the hammer guy. Then you see Tony, you know, down and out. He's basically drunk, eating donuts in Mahala uh, Drive. <laughs> up on Randy's donuts, uh, donut sign. Yeah. And, Giant donut-shaped sign. And Nick Fury shows up, basically says, oh, by the way, your father helped found S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Here's a bunch of old tapes and movies, and you, we're going to confine you to your house and make you work on this until you finally figure out how to solve this, uh, the, the riddle of your heart. Which also made me roll my eyes so hard they almost fell on my head. Absolutely. So then you basically see... I actually thought it was pretty good footage of the guy that plays... Um, oh, in a Mad Men. In Mad Men. What is his name? I don't know his name, but I recognized him. Um, so he plays Tony Stark. He plays Howard Stark and does a really good job. And he kind of show as Tony's looking through his notes, you can see that kind of... Howard's a lot like Tony because mm-hmm. you know he's drinking all through these takes of movies and he's like, kind of slurring and like making light of it. But then he gets serious and t- addresses Tony of the future and says, "Tony, you know this arc reactor is the key to peace for mankind. And I don't have the technology to build it, but I know you can." And then it turns out that the map of the Stark Expo that was <laughs> created 30 years ago or 40 years ago, or whatever you know this takes place. Mm-hmm was a blueprint for a undiscovered element that Tony was now going to make. And again, my thought is, if you're going to make all this top-secret shit and entrust it to S.H.I.E.L.D., why wouldn't you just give him the schematic? Why yeah. are you trusting that he's going to be able to figure out? And the kind of discovery process where he brought... It, went, it was funny. He went to his office and broke it down, and you see him hauling ass down Pacific Highway, uh-huh. Pacific Coast Highway, <laughs> with, these giant, with these giant pieces of plywood, <laughs> those detailed models sticking out eight foot of his his, his drop top. Freaking Audi. Yeah. And he gets home and he lays this, you know, he has Jarvis, his per, his computer butler, 
you know, digitize it, and he's manipulating a model, he's throwing stuff away, and it's like, oh, here's an atom. But it's like, they were real fuzzy on how this all actually worked. You just had to kind of buy it. Yeah. And that's like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then the next scene, you see Tony building basically a... A laser. Well, it's no, it's a it was a particle collider. Okay. Like, like, well, it would... I mean, that's what I thought it was, with those big hoops coming together. But it has a prism in the center, and it's shooting a laser out toward... To, to this piece of metal that he's made, and somehow this is making a new element. I don't know how... I'm not a nuclear physicist. <laughs> because particle collectors, I don't think, have lasers inside of them, do they? I don't know. I'm not... Well, I'm not sure... I'm not a nuclear physicist. I'm pretty sure this is not how you manufacture a new heavy isotope. Sure. I don't know. All I know is if it's probably radioactive and... There's going to be Iron Man three where he's dying of radio <laughs> radiation poisoning. Ah, oh, couldn't foresee that. But uh, you know, so he's got his new reactor piece, and Jarvis helpfully tells the audience, since we're too stupid to know otherwise, that he successfully made the new metal, and it's going to be a perfect uh, replacement for palladium, <laughs> and it's even going to be more powerful, and he's going to do tests. Uh-huh. So then you cut back to Ivan working in the lab, and he's convinced Hammer that he doesn't want suits; he wants drones. Yeah. Drones are better. Well, then he tells, you know, basically, uh, Hammer's pretty pissed that, you know, the, the drones aren't ready, that they're not going to be ready for a full demonstration. He's like, you're just lucky that I lucked upon this uh, Iron Man armor. So, basically, the probes are just going to be a backdrop. Yeah, he's um, got the presentation at the expo, at Stark's expo. Which was pretty cool. I liked how, actually, when the, pro- the you know, basically a platoon of probes, came, or drones, came out. Yeah. And they're like, this is Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and they played snippets of those respective military branches, you know, hymns as they were coming up. I thought that was actually pretty cool. That was cool, yeah. And then Rhodey came up, and as War Machine, was basically the silver stuff was it had some black accents, has a giant minigun on his mm-hmm. shoulder like he does. Just clearly bristling with weapons and heavier armor. He does like a sloop to the crowd, and then everything goes to shit. Because Iron Man comes down. <laughs> Iron Man comes down and says he's basically figured out that Ivan is working for Hammer and that this is going to go badly. And about that time, Rhodey's suit starts displaying all Russian, and he says he's lost control and he's locking weapons onto them, and all the probes, or all the drones in the background lock weapons on Iron Man. <laughs> and the next five minutes are the most callous disregard for civilian life you'll <laughs> well, ever see in a fucking superhero movie. The next three seconds are, because Iron Man and Rhodey both, oh, Iron Man shoots up to the ceiling and Rhodey goes chasing after him, and all of the drones turn on their weapons and fire up at him. And shards of glass Massive. rain down from the ceiling. Massive shards of glass. Oh, I mean, they, they're like the size of people's torsos, and they rain <laughs> on this packed floor, expo floor. Yeah, you know hundreds of people had to die there. But then it's like, so Iron Man even says right before that, it's like, we got to get these people, we got to get away from the expo, we got to take this to the air. But then you see him, like, swooping down to the ground while War uh-huh. Machine is firing a minigun. Yep. These tracer rounds are tearing through the crowd. <laughs> drones are exploding, and shrapnel for these drones are tearing through the crowd. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not showing people dying, but people have to be dying. Here. And they make it dying. clear that there's women and children, very small children, <laughs> dressed oh, up like yeah, Iron Man. Yeah, dressed like Iron Man with the repulsor lights on their hands. Yeah, it's like, they're so, they're, I've never seen a hero so callous. <laughs> Why not? There's right by the ocean. 
You know, this is this sure. is in New yeah. York City. Why not take it over the ocean? Yeah, Why not take it up in the upstate? Clearly, these these drones will follow him wherever he goes. <laughs> Why does he stay at this this concentrated point of civilization? I don't know. The fight. I don't know. I don't know. Second giant problem I have with the movie that was very distracting when I saw it. Sure. This is a, I guess, a good point. The the mentioned Black Widow's character. Yeah, if yeah. You have yeah. some problems here. Go, go for it. Um. Well, I just have a problem of she didn't seem very useful. I mean, her only real role in the movie was to, at the towards the end, uh, reprogram Brody's suit so that he could, or Rhodey suit, sorry, uh, so that he could actually not kill Iron Man because <laughs> he he had been chasing him down and. And she didn't really do anything else other than she broke that. into Hammer's facility, beat up like ten guys, yeah, and that was me you know, showed her badass credentials, sure, yeah. and then went to a terminal that was in Russian, which I guess she spoke a bunch of different languages. They established yeah, it, yeah. and yeah. then proceeded to hack through the security and reboot this Iron Man suit. Yeah, I, I'm actually decent with computers, but if you sat me down in front of <laughs> A weird build of Linux. I wouldn't know exactly how to reboot the system, but she knows how to sure. reboot the Iron Man technology. Whatever, maybe she'll breathe through. So Rhodey gets rebooted. Um, Iron Man and him then go to this like biodome, kind of like the Epcot Center, where there's like mm-hmm. uh, apparently Oracle has made this inside forest in a geodesic glass dome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, War Machine reboots, he gets himself back, and now Tony and Iron Man and War Machine are going to fight off, like, 30, 40 drones that are converging upon them. So you know the scene is going to be cool, and it actually really is. I thought them chainsawing mm-hmm. through those, terrassing through those oh, drones his, was very cool. With his minigun, that was awesome, when he gets up, like, right on that drone and just saws down... Yeah, minigun, and yeah. He's like tearing to pieces. That was right, very cool. Right, and I liked how like uh, Tony did that like jet-assisted knee to the <laughs> drone's <laughs> yeah. uh, chin, yeah. and then uses repulsors to slam it back to the ground. I mean, it was it was a very well done action scene. But then the third biggest problem the movie showed up, which is basically <laughs> Ivan in a suit. After all the drones are destroyed, he waits till all the drones are destroyed. Mm-hmm. He lands in the middle of Iron Man and War Machine, wearing an Iron Man suit. With electric whips. Now, confronting (laughs) Iron Man with these electric whips is already a bad idea. But fucking War Machine, who's bristling with miniguns and missiles and ranged attack weapons? Yeah. How did he expect to win? Well, I and, and the it, one thing there is I don't know if he expected to be fighting Rhodey. True, but at that point, again, these it was clear that these drones were running autonomously. Yeah. Why didn't he just uh, immediately go with his go. suit? Like, you know, as these guys are providing distraction, you do the coup d'etat mm-hmm. or the coup de grace with the actual... Whips, then, if you wanted to do it. <laughs> or better yet, if you got this badass suit, why don't you have some ranged weapons? Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't. And, sure. and the other thing is so anticlimactic because basically, so he shows up for maybe 30 seconds, mm-hmm. he's got them both in an energy whip hold, and an Iron Man and War Machine basically do the two hands put together, giant energy ball in the bot in, in between them, and blow him up. Then there's uh, this half-ass. Which, which, by the way, right. <laughs> it would be so devastating. To a war or Whiplash without his helmet on, which he did not have on at the time. Yeah, Whiplash, any excuse in the middle of a battle to take his fucking helmet off, exactly. he took. Yeah, yeah, he'd take it off just to show you his face while he's whipping you, and then he got blasted. Like, his head would be gone. Right. In an explosion like that. Right. So, But he yet he's still, live, he's still alive and like. And he utters for the third around. time in the movie, 
you lose Tony Stark. And I don't think he knows what the definition of lose means. <laughs> and the other thing is, yeah. like, if Tony had had his head out of his ass and had taken this fight over the ocean, mm-hmm. the next part would not have been an issue at all. But he rigged these drones to explode. Mm-hmm. So now these pieces of drones all over the Tony Stark Expo, including one sitting right beside Pepper Potts, that mm-hmm. you see is kind of coordinating the rescue efforts starts to go critical, and, you know, this would be dramatic, except for it took five seconds to resolve. Yeah. And, you know, he basically just flew really fast and got Pepper and took See, off. See, I, I actually thought he was going to do, like, a Matrix-style thing, where he came in, like, at 400 miles an hour, slammed into her, and took her up onto a roof. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Which I was about to call bullshit on. They actually yeah, have I, him, they, like, they, sit yeah. down next to her, grab her, and take off. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. He's like, man, if Iron Man slams and you go and Mach 1, yeah. you're going to be Chunky Salsa. Yeah. And there's some of that, so like... I'm so I'm glad they did that. And Jim pointed that out. Any of the stuff that happens in these movies, Tony Stark inside the suit oh. would be spaghetti sauce. Yeah. Liquefied, jellied, whatever. I, I don't care how strong the suit is, you're still taking G-forces when you're falling from, you know... Yeah. Uh, uh, 50,000 feet, or you're getting slammed by all this different stuff. and this, So that's my big three problems with the movie. I thought that the tone and pacing were just all over the place, which the pacing wasn't as big a problem the second time through, I guess, because I kind of knew what to expect. The characterization between Pepper and Tony, they never figured out the tone of that. Mm-hmm. Him showing up, I mean, Ivan's motivations and how he planned to do things never really made <laughs> sense. Like, if he wanted to kill and ruin Tony Stark, it seemed like there's a lot more direct ways to do it. Third, the end was just such... I mean, they kept building and building and building. They could have used a nice five-minute slugfest between War Machine and Ivan and Iron Man, but they just kind of like ran out of ideas and got bored with it. It's like, you know what? Let's do the two hands, reach out and touch yeah, someone. Hands love. across America. Yeah. Blast from hell, yeah. I mean, as good as the first Iron Man was, I thought that they would take that and deliver, but I guess maybe that was a weak point in Iron Man 1, is that the action wasn't... You know, when you think back at it, the the really interesting things were him building the suit and experimenting with the suit and being captured and finding out about Tony Stark. The actual robot-on-robot kind of battles were kind of the worst parts of the movie. Yeah, the coolest thing about number one to me was the progression of Tony Stark from businessman to superhero. Yeah. Um, Which... I think that there wasn't much of story here other than some lame stuff like my arc reactor is hidden in this map, let's find it. Which stuff again like is that, stupid. Which is not character evolution, it's not... The, he had the, the depression, which I liked. That part was good. He mm-hmm. went into drinking, thought he was dying and everything. So that part like actually connected you to him. But not, the arc stuff doesn't connect you as a character. And, and it didn't really connect me to any of them as characters. And again, I hate where they make science and engineering look like you you basically have these weird breakthroughs when it's mostly steady work, which I liked about the first Iron Man. That, you know, obviously you buy the fact that Tony's brilliant, but his first attempts were very crude, and he progressively refined them and worked out issues, worked out kinks. For this, basically, he had, like, stone tablets from God handed to him. He had to decipher, here's the new element. What if they just... Showed him making steady progress, and like he blows up half his lab, discovers a new reactor. I don't know. It just, I did not buy the whole. Yeah, he just all of a sudden was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Done. I, I saw the map. It, it's a layout of a molecule or an atom, but not really, because when you actually see yeah. him assemble the map, he basically threw everything away except for the middle part. <laughs> and it's like, okay, and I don't know. I mean, that whole thing drove me crazy. Um, another thing that I think is funny, which happens in superhero movies uh, a, a few times, but most of the time, superheroes will try to hide their identities, mm-hmm. whereas Tony Stark, being the person he is, wants to play it up and wants to be known as right. Iron Man. 
And that is such a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, why didn't... superhero? Especially, like, it's not a bad idea for Superman. Superman could give a shit, because he can't be killed by anything other than kryptonite. However, Tony Stark, without his suit, is just a person. Yeah, people could snipe his ass. Exactly. Um, People could kidnap the people that he loves and cares (laughs) about. I mean, you think, like, even if you don't care about yourself, that's reckless disregard for Pepper and Rhodey and Happy and all the other guys that are important to him, you assume, in his life. Mm-hmm. And in the comics, it's not like that. Iron Man oh, really? is actually, as far as the world knows, is literally uh, Tony Stark's robotic bodyguard. Huh. I did not know that. And kind of the Avengers is kind of more secret. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a big problem going forward. Why wouldn't the supervillain mm-hmm. de jour just go after Pepper, and the, and or, like you said, Tony, when he's not being Iron Man, is he going to have to start sleeping in this armor? <laughs> uh-huh. So it'll be interesting to see if they do a third one, or if they roll him into the Avengers, which I guess we should talk about that now. Uh, well, first of all, I can you explain to me what the Black Widow's role in this movie was, other than that one thing? Um, I, I The only thing I can think of is they're trying to lay the f- framework for a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. Okay, that's what I was they're thinking. trying to lay, and the Avengers... They're trying to get everyone introduced. But also, I think they also realized they needed somebody, because they kind of made it clear that Ivan is a computer expert, and he yeah. effortlessly shredded through military-grade encryption, that uh-huh. you might not buy Jarvis, a computer, just breaking into the suit. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I could so, so, the, so she actually had to go there and physically but take I, him But I could on. buy Nick Fury doing it. I don't know what his background is or whatever, right? But a character along those lines who is kind of nebulous and you don't really know his skills, right? But you know he's got to be some sort of badass, right? Or something. Then I could buy that. Yeah, I guess so. So they didn't. Basically, she was a superfluous character. Which I mean, don't get me wrong. I always like seeing Scarlett Johansson on the screen, but uh, I don't know if her character was all that warranted. Huh. But yeah, the, the groundwork for a Shield movie, I guess, is. And the, and the Avengers, I mean, it's like every five minutes we talk about the Avengers, and then what, the other, I guess, a fourth disappointment was <laughs> that I sat through seven minutes of credits to see the lamest fucking tease for a gay-ass Thor movie I've ever seen. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. I, you know, the things I liked about the movie, really good practical effects. At several points, Robert Downey Jr. and Don Cheadle were wearing these suits, and they looked badass. Like, I did not think when he was standing there at his party and drinking in front of DJ, he was wearing a suit. Really? You think that was CG? I, to be honest, they do the CG so well that I can't really tell most of the time. I bet, I think it's, I think it was a practical suit, that they had these full-scale practical suits, and they looked amazing. And uh, if they didn't, if they somehow CG'd that person's head inside the suit... Uh, that is equally amazing. <laughs> However, they, I mean, but if there's practical suits, I want one. Hmm. I mean, holy shit, those were amazing looking. That, that would definitely be cool to have one. Talking about cosplaying. <laughs> yeah, so, you should go to PAX as but, but, Iron Man. But you're right, the, the digital effects nowadays are getting to where you don't even question them. Absolutely. Especially like the probes that are in Iron Man. I mean, it lends itself. These things are shiny metal things anyway. Mm-hmm. It's right in CG's wheelhouse. Okay. But god damn, it just, you, you never even question that these aren't actually happening. Um, I also liked Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, portrayal. Uh, I thought he totally. most of the time was the right on portraying Iron Man and Tony Stark and who he was. And there's a lot of funny stuff in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of good humor. And like I said, it's, you know, I, I said if Iron Man's uh, 1 is a 10 out of Iron Man movies, and Iron Man 2 is kind of like a 5 for me, maybe a 6. Yeah, Which I is a shame was, because I it was about an eight for me. My two favorite superhero movies of all time are Iron Man One and The Dark Knight, 
And when those two came out at the same time, I actually struggled because The Dark Knight is an awesome movie, but I didn't have as much fun as I did with Iron Man. I was disappointed to see Iron Man 2 kind of be a decrease in quality at all. I was hoping for a Wrath of Khan, an Empire Strikes Back, a Dark Knight, where they take that platform and they launch from it. Whereas this, it just seems like they didn't have a lot of solid ideas to connect some of the big plot points. Yeah, that's that's what really felt lacking to me was the ideas, like you said. I don't know. I mean, you could probably lift a lot of this just from comic books, right? There's a lot of stories in there. Why didn't they go with some of those? Right. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big Iron Man and Avengers fan, so I don't know. I think that the other thing I'm really worried for Marvel's sake is they seem to be putting a lot of their eggs in one basket and that they seem to be really kind of shit the bed with Spider-Man franchise and Spider-Man 3 and, uh, you know, Daredevil seemed to be like a one-shot and a lot of the other X-Men, X-Men they really shot, <laughs> really shit the bed with X-Men 3. I, I really feel like they're with the Hulk and Iron Man and using Synergy to launch Thor and the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. They've got some really big-name talent to make these movies. they they got, like, Goss Wheaton's doing the Avengers, I think. Really? I tell you what, Thor is just a horrible, horrible superhero. <laughs> and to, to see him translate to big screen, I just don't know. See, and I have a problem. Like, you, we were talking about this. Uh, what, what team is Thor on? The Avengers. The Avengers, okay. And he's down there with Iron Man, yeah. correct? Uh-huh. If you have Iron Man, what do you need Thor for? Right. Iron Man can hit things much harder than Thor. Right. <laughs> and all Thor has is a loincloth and a hammer. And I'm sure the fanboy's going to say, but he's the god of thunder, and he's just like, he's actually more powerful than, than in the Civil Wars, you kicked Iron Man's ass. Okay. But the thing is, what you don't realize, fanboys, is you can't have a fucking Norse god running around on the same screen as Iron Man. Yeah. He's not going to be that version of Thor. Because sure. if they do, the movie's going to be even stupider than I'm thinking. Uh, and Thor's got this really weird, conflicting backstory that I can't even figure out if he's a regular guy that grabs the hammer and has a bit of the power of the Norse god, or if he's actually Thor, god of thunder, or, hmm. you know, they're, they're, I'm kind of unclear on his background. But I just, I'm having a lot of concern that you're trying to put it, having all these, and if all the movies are all equally good, this would be a good thing. Sure, yeah. But this cross-pollination is just going to make other franchises look shittier if, you know, the Avengers comes out and it sucks. Maybe. I mean, I'm willing to give it a chance because, like, I love these tie-in things when they work. Yeah. When they work, they're some of the best things I've ever seen on the screen. But when they don't work, you're right, they go horribly wrong. (laughs) Okay. I think that's just about going to do it for the show. Uh, We are on iTunes now, so go check us out, give us some reviews. We release a new episode every Wednesday. Uh, As always, if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, or you want to chat, just... Visit our forums at www.baldmove.com. Dot com. Uh, I petered out. <laughs> or you can send us an email at blueyonder at baldmove.com. Or you can reach us by phone at 1-800-YOU-LOSE. Wait, wait, wait. Who, who loses now? We all do. Oh. But mostly listeners. Oh, okay. With that said, until next time, I'm Jim Jones. And I'm Aaron Hubbard. Ciao. I'm human, they don't want my help It seems it doesn't really matter If your superpower is firing to the melt I tried to join the Justice League But Batman was a douche to me And Black Canary wouldn't tell me hi And classic magic to a middle finger That was 30 stories high I got a message from the great Avengers They offered me a message
said no way, but I was a surprise. That's okay, those uniforms were so tight that I'm feeling cheap my thighs. I tried to join that task before I didn't even reach the door. You thought that it hurt me such a serious guy. Join the Great Lakes of Man.